so we'd like to thank everybody for joining us again. Um, it's been a it's been a rough couple weeks, um, but then it's it's kind of moving into a couple uh, okay days to almost even being an okay week, and um, we're not so sure that moving to this kind of area where it's like okay isn't almost worse than when it was just all fucked. Um, so like today, I mean, I have notes going back to myself since the 6th of February of things that I had been thinking about and pondering and things that come up. Um, well, like today, we're actually recording this in Montana. Um, Nick and I decided that we were going to tempt fate and tempt COVID and say to hell with it and go to Montana for a couple days and just get away. Um, right now we're in a little two bedroom cabin. That's just, I think Nick's used the word that it's, it's, it's perfect, but not, precious. not precious. So, like everything in the house is perfect. The the couch is perfect. The decor is perfect. The kitchen's perfect. The view's perfect. Everything's perfect. But it's not it's not precious where we're worried about ruining it. We're just being able to be in the moment. And um we're out in the woods and snow is falling. I mean it's freezing, don't get me wrong, but we need that. Um but the snow is falling and it's quiet and um we had kind of a very loud discussion amongst ourselves here just a little bit ago and not an angry one, just an animated, um, anybody that knows us, we can have an animated conversation from time to time. And it wasn't, it wasn't bad. It wasn't mean or angsty or anything. We were just, just talking and, um, we can't do that at home. Um, at home, we don't do it in front of the kids for one. Um, we try to, we try to guard them as much as we can. I mean, they're, they know they're not naive. They know that we're struggling, but we try to guard what we can. And, um, <clears throat> and then where we're at our house, we have two neighbors directly on the left and right touching our sidewall. And we have three neighbors in the back touching our back wall. And I could hit five people with a badminton birdie on an easy shot um so to just be able to go in our yard and scream scream yeah doesn't doesn't it's not like anybody would tell us to knock it off because i'd politely tell them to get fucked but um <clears throat> you just don't do it it's and nick and i talked about this this morning that that we're not trying to protect anybody's feelings. We're, re we're really not. But you do. Because it's the social convention. It goes back to when people ask you, how are you? They're not asking you to tell them the truth. They don't want you to dump all that on them. That's uncomfortable. It's an awful subject. They don't really want to hear, you know what, today sucks. Let me tell you the reasons why. They want to hear, I'm great, how are you? And move mm -hmm. on with the 
conversation or move on with their day. No one really wants to hear how bad bad can be. So you do protect them. You Today in the airport on the way here, in line next to us, was a family with a little baby girl who wouldn't be much older than Leah. She was maybe six months. She was beautiful. And I knew I was going to lose it. So I hurried as fast as I could to get out because I didn't want to break down there. And why? Why do I need to do that? Why do I... Is it protecting me? No, I can't be protected. The pain doesn't go away and there's nothing anyone could do or say or be that would change that. So it's not to protect me, it's to protect them because that's what we do. Our tears are not witnessed. We don't share that with anyone because it's uncomfortable. It's ugly and everyone wants you to just be okay. And there is no okay. There is no being okay. There is no going to be okay. This is never, ever, ever going to be okay. I am not ever going to be okay. <clears throat> yeah, we've, we've kind of landed on the term shitty. When, um, you know, like I said, we're, we really were not, we're still not talking to anybody. I, we, we did talk to somebody last week, but I'll, I'll get to that later. Um, but, um, well, yeah, you, Nick is seeing a therapist, which we've not, we haven't hid that. There's nothing to be ashamed of about it. No. And if you need help, whether it's you've lost a baby or you've lost a job or whatever it is, please do it. I don't know that I ever put a whole lot of stock in what could they tell me that I don't already know. I've studied all of these things. Do I have an advanced degree? No. Dr. Boots, I'm, re I'm looking at you. I do not have those degrees. I do not have that background. I do not have that experience, but I know the theory. There was nothing anybody could tell me that I didn't already know, that I hadn't already read until I'm involved in it. And I've heard people jokingly say it's like a friend for a fee. It kind of is, but in a good way. Don't cheapen it. Don't, you know, I have friends and they can't listen like a trained therapist can. They're not there to fix you. There's not an issue here to be fixed. You cannot get better. Healing is stupid. You're just trying to figure out how to keep being. And that's what they're there for. And they're there to witness the tears that you cannot show to other people. Yeah, we, we said we, we kind of landed on the term shitty. When, uh, when, when I get out of the truck in the morning and I get to a job site and the I run into a customer or I'm at the supply house or wherever, some, somebody that I've talked to more than once, like I, I wouldn't say it to the person at Brugger's but, or McDonald's or whatever, but somebody that I've had a conversation with in the past and they ask me, oh, how's the day going? 
uh, shitty, but we'll, uh, that's a different discussion for a different day. And just leave it at that. And um, usually you kind of get a, oh, okay, yeah, you uh, are not in the mood to talk today. And um, <laughs> I'm not in the mood to talk ever. I want to talk. Technically, I want to talk. But I really only want to, I don't want your opinion. <laughs> um, I don't want you to say anything. I don't even want to look at you. I don't want you to nod. I just want to talk. And that's how this thing started. This this podcast is, is I needed to throw stuff into the ethos and just get it out. Um, the first one of these that we did, Nick did, was not on board. She, she did it for me, but was not on board. But since then, these for Nick has been... I, I think you described it as just like purging, just. Yeah, but if you imagine pain, fear, panic, anxiety, all these nasty things being inside of you, being this big, black, disgusting mass, this is vomiting it out. And I don't, I hope. Whoever listens to this, you understand that I am not trying to dump this on you. I don't try to dump this on other people. My therapist willingly signed up for that job. I, I don't need a, a personal support group or peer counselors and all this kind of stuff. That's not what this is. It's literally just getting this out there. If nobody listens, great. If you do, please don't take offense that I am dumping all this on you. And this is heavy, big, ugly, the ugliest of messes. But this is the only way that we have together to get this out, to air it, to vent it somewhere. Does that mean that it reduces that big, black, disgusting mass? Possibly. Sometimes it refills. Sometimes the level goes down and you can breathe a little bit easier. Sometimes you can't. It just, it honestly, it's not even day to day. Sometimes it's not even hour to hour. It can be minute to minute. There's times I don't want to talk to anyone. My therapist will just ask questions to prod she says she feels like she has to dig the information out sometimes. That's okay, too. And I'm learning that wherever I am is where I'm supposed to be. That's hard because I'm not supposed to be here. Leah is supposed to be here with us. This is not how it's supposed to be. But it is what it is. So now we're just figuring out ways. I don't like the words coping strategies or coping mechanisms because that's not what this is. You're not learning to cope. You're not getting better. You don't heal. I say it a thousand times because those words are meaningless. You're just learning how to continue being in whatever form that's going to be. And a lot of the time, honestly, it feels like existing. I don't no, my therapist asks me this all the time. Do I hold out hope for living? 
I don't know. I think we do. We, we put a foot in front of the other. We are venturing out into. We don't, we don't actively want to die, but we don't know that we actively want to live either. And by live, I don't mean breathe. And I don't mean my heartbeat. I mean, live. Smile. Go on vacations. Go on with life. The things that bring you joy. Because I can't imagine joy without my daughter. I can't imagine joy from the lens of pain that we look through. We um. You know, we haven't came back to Michigan to see any of you guys yet. And, and certainly part of it is that we don't want to have the first conversation that we're obviously going to have. We don't want to have it. But, but equal and maybe even greater is the, is the living part after that conversation. Like going to my nephew's basketball game uh, seems so painful but it should be such an exciting moment to get to go watch him play basketball as a as a sophomore in high school it should be something that we're excited about and to go watch our niece being a being a play and do something that she loves should be something we should be excited about but it's but it's living and living's hard and living feels wrong and um same thing with going to to uh you know, the God family's house and, and watch the little man go crazy and just be him and, and be a, a three and a half year old boy and just tear the house apart and excited to see us and sing his goofy songs and run around the house hollering Icky Nicky and Uncle Johnny and, and, and just to be happy about it. But it's just the thought of living is it's just too much still. It's um So to clarify that. We are not here on vacation. We are in Montana, which is literally our favorite place on the face of the planet that we've been so far. And we've been some places. We've been, we've been blessed to see some amazingly beautiful places and take our kids to share that. That's not why we're here. The kids aren't here. They're working and doing their life. We're here. This, we, I guess, are referring to it as a break with reality, which in the mental health field means bad thing. For us, it's a reset. If we have to continue doing what we have to do every day, getting out of bed, going to work, making sure the kids are taken care of, making sure that bills are paid, we have to reset because it's becoming way too much. Can't, we, we can't just keep getting up every Monday and do the damn thing again. It's just... With no end in sight. You are looking for the end. When, when does this end? Not when does life end? Not when does feeling like this end? And it becomes glaringly obvious every morning. You woke up again, 
you still feel the same. There is no end. So the things that we can control, and right now that's not much, but we can control to a certain extent our geographical location. So we come here to a little cabin in the middle of the woods covered in snow where it is literally absolutely silent. I can scream if I want without scaring neighbors. We, this is not a vacation in the sense that it's rest and relaxation. That is not what this is. It's rest, reconnect and regroup, not refocus, not re-energize, figure out how are we going to go back to regular everyday life when nothing is regular or everyday anymore. We have responsibilities to a lot of people and we're trying to make sure that we live up to their expectations, but sometimes that is more than we can muster in a day. Now this is a, it's a trial run at trying to figure out if we can do this. Um, we're just here for three nights and we're going home on Sunday. And then Monday morning, we got to get up and do it all again. And, um, but on Saturday, we're going to leave with all the kids and we're going to come back here again for, for five days and just come back and we're going to let the boys go sledding and skiing or snowboarding or whatever they want to do. And the girls can go and do massages and, and facials and some inner tube tubing. And, and we're just going to, we got a little house, another little house in the woods and in Whitefish, Montana, and we're just gonna sit and I'm gonna change my voicemail to... Don't call me. Yeah, call call 282-0032 for any wall service because 631-7114 is out of business right now. Um, and uh, but we, we have to do it because I... I'm not an angry person. We've talked about this several times and I don't think I'm an angry person. I don't want to be an angry person, but right now I hate everything except for Nick one, two, three, and four and, and one's girlfriend and, and two's girlfriend. And otherwise I hate, I hate everything. And I don't hate my guys. I, I, I love my guys, but I don't want to be with them. I hate having to be at work. I hate having to be with people. I hate having to go deal with customers. I hate having to do emails and invoices. I hate it. And when I say hate, I do mean hate. I hate it. And, um, but I'm also extremely fortunate and gracious about the fact that it's at least my thing to hate. And I don't, I don't have the same problem a lot of these people have. We're in a couple different groups of, of people, specifically one with some parents with infant loss, um, some that had miscarriages and stillborns and early infant mortality like we did. And they, these people, they all answer to somebody. Like, I mean, I, I don't get me wrong. I ultimately answer to my customers, even though it's my business, or I answer to a supplier, even though it's my business. But 
if I want to just say no today, no, I don't have it today's no, then worst case, I lose money. I don't lose my job. And there's lots of people in this group that are just, they're hanging on by a thread. One of the, one of the women in the group tonight, I don't, we don't know what was going on, but she's been, she's always a little teary. And I think that's just, that's her base level right now is, is, is endangered, but she was holding on by a thread tonight. And I don't know what it is going on in her life. And it wasn't our position to ask, but. We've talked about this, that losing a child, and I don't care if they're seven days old, they're 70 years old. If they left before you, it is wrong. It is the worst thing you will ever go through. It is the biggest and heaviest. I'm not going to call it a burden because that's not what it is. Leah is not a burden. She's an honor. And I will carry the pain for her because it's my honor. But it's heavy and it is painful. And while it's easy to think that this is all any of us that are living this are living with, it isn't. We've talked about this, that Everybody has their and. I lost my baby and. And maybe there's people out there, maybe you're listening that are struggling. You lost your baby and you lost your job or your marriage is falling apart around you or you're doing it on your own and you're struggling. Whatever it is, we see you too, because it's, we have an and too. We lost our baby and we are dealing with the insurmountable pressures of everyday life. Everybody out there that is listening that hasn't been through this, you know what your stresses are, what your stressors are. We have all of those too. And we've lost our baby. It's inordinate how much that is. It is unfathomable for anyone who's never felt this or been close enough to even see the reflection. One of the one of the dads in the group that's they're very similar to us except they don't have four other kids they don't have four grown kids that they've got to watch grow up and and to live for and to love and to be amazed at and proud of and humbled by they don't have that but i told him last week that i was going to say his baby's name and they lost mave a beautiful name they lost Maeve at 39 weeks, 39 weeks and two days. They were, they were more done than we were. They're, they're 36 years old and this was their first child and they lost her at 39 weeks and two days for no reason. Woke up in the morning, couldn't feel her. No idea, just lost her. Had to go through labor, had to deliver a stillborn baby and, um, He'd said that 
he just shut down for a while. And, and for him, the, the talking is helping too. And he's just started, he's kind of the opposite. He started to talk to anybody and everybody. That's what he, he said. He said, I, I started talking to guys at work and then I was talking to the teller at Walmart. And then I was talking to the guy doing my oil change. He goes, I'm telling everybody about Maeve because that's the only way that I can grieve. And Nick came across a passage last week, or, or I guess the, the group had a passage, but, but Nick had been kicking it around in her head, but couldn't quite get it out in the, it's basically, there's more to the paragraph, but it's a simple sentence that grief is just love with no place to go. Think about that for a second, that that's, I mean, think about people that you've lost in your life, whether it was a brother or a sister, or a husband, grandparent, your dog. I don't, I don't care. I mean, it's it, grief. Grief is, is love that's just trapped that you, we all have this love built up in us for, for our people and for our, and for our, our pets or, or your, I don't want to say your car, that's not stupid, but, but just, we all have this love built up in us, whether, whether we want to admit it or not, we're all ultimately full of love unless we're hateful little shrews, but most of us are full of love. And that's what grief is, is this love is just, just trapped and it, and it's so God damn infuriating that you just. This is what we've been talking about today is there's a guest book in this cabin where we're saying, she said, if you feel like it, write down your thoughts or feelings and how you came here. At first I thought, yeah, you don't want to hear that. And I thought, why not? It's somewhat anonymous. Maybe somebody that comes behind us reads it and they understand where that is because the only words that I can describe for how we arrived here are burnt broken and bloodied and that creates for me it's a very vivid mental picture love with nowhere to go is so bright that it burns i told my therapist it's like a brand on your heart it doesn't heal it doesn't get better and it leaves a permanent scar that's not a bad thing. Broken, I think our will in a lot of ways is broken. Spirit is broken. You're bloodied. Your very soul is mortally wounded. Bloody, but not gone. That's the hard part. You still keep on keeping on. As hard as that is, as painful as that is, you do the damn thing. Because there's somebody else depending on you to do it. If not for our kids, I don't know. I don't know what today would be, if there would be today, honestly. It's not just say that there's no hope or hope that there is hope. 
which I think is where we live right now. Tentatively hoping that there's hope later. I'm a visual kind of a person and the metaphor that I use with my therapist, I feel like that dog that's been abused, kicked and screamed at and starved, but wants desperately to trust. So they slink to you in an army crawl. They whimper, they might growl. They wanna trust you, but don't know if they can. And that's really how I feel just facing everyday life and the people that we encounter in it. I don't know what hurts are left. I know there's more. No life is charmed, much less ours. I know there are more hurts, but I also know none will hurt as bad as this. There's some comfort in that, as sick as it sounds. We haven't talked to you about it. We're really not putting it out there much, but we're exploring adoption. I don't know how that's gonna go. John jokes and calls me a type A plus personality and I probably am. I think a clinical psychologist or psychiatrist would tell you that my panic attacks are probably directly related to feeling out of control in an uncontrollable situation. It was pointed out to me today in a support group. Adoption is completely outside of our control. I can't control any of that. I'm not okay with that, but I want to be. It's hoping that there is hope. There's no replacing Leah. There's no shunting the love we have saved for her to another child that doesn't happen. There's no filling the hole in our hearts that she fills perfectly. This would be, if we're so blessed, a new child that creates their own space, their own love, that will be loved for who they are and not who is missing. But it's scary too. Hope is probably the best and worst thing that could ever happen to anyone that exists inside the realm of humanity. Hope can give you strength when you don't have any. Hope can give you will to live when you don't want it. But hope can destroy everything. When you are pregnant for nine months and planning your life, with this perfect little person that you cannot wait to love and they're taken away. You're left with crushed hope and it destroys everything. Yeah, we try to
we try to not get our hopes up too much because it's it's dangerous. Um, in the history of Nick and John and the people in our direct orbit, we're always waiting for the other shoe to drop like a hammer. Um, we try not to. We try to be hopeful, but you got a lot of you know us. Obviously, you listen, and every every time you think you maybe turned a corner, it just oh nope, you're uh, you're fired. Or, nope, you can't live here anymore because you can't afford it. Or nope, can't drive that car anymore because you can't pay for it. No, nope, we can't treat you with cancer anymore. Yep. Nope. You got, oh, guess what? You have two cancers, not one. Oh, guess what? We didn't catch it. We didn't catch it in time. Oh, guess what? You broke your neck 10 days ago and we were too stupid and figure it out. It's, um, hope's, our, hope's, our, hope's dangerous. In our family, we have, some families have family mottos and, whatever and our only motto is never ever say it can't get worse we know it can we've lived it we continue to live it yeah we um i just try to do my best every day i mean that's that's all i can hope for and and my best today might not be as good as my best was yesterday and it might not be as good as my best is tomorrow, but I can just try to do my best every day. And, um, we, we've talked about that, that I haven't been talking to anybody, but in the last couple of weeks, I threw a, threw a contact in the, in the well business. That's also a mechanic friend and, and whatnot. We were able to, um, they're, they're in the process of starting a, a new chapter of their church out in our area. So we've decided to try to, I don't know what we've decided, but we're, we're trying to reach out and talk to people. We're, we're, we've joined a, a, a couple's group and, and I've also joined a men's group. And in the, the men's group last week, they asked us, the topic of it was sacrifice and and not sacrifice in, in the way you think of like make a sacrifice for this or make a sacrifice for that. But what was the question is when is the last time that you sacrifice something that actually matters to you? And when is the last time that somebody, you know, sacrificed something to you? And, um, I spoke up, I, I only talked a couple times, but I spoke up this week and, and this is for you. This is for all of you listening. I told them that unequivocally that Nick and I know that everyone in our direct realm and our direct orbit has sacrificed something for us. And it is beyond humbling to know that all of you care about us that much and, and, and love us and, and love our kids and love our extended family. And it's so, it's so humbling. Um, we have the, 
you know, I, I told him that I decided I wanted to get back into this group because I know babies go to heaven and I know that Lee is in heaven. And while God and I aren't on speaking terms right now, I know that I want to go to heaven too. And, and, um, and then they, they asked, uh, about decision making about, do you, um, when you make decisions, does God enter into your decision? And I know some of you listening, he does. I know he does. He doesn't into every one of your decisions, but he certainly does into a lot of them. Um, but very bluntly, I told him going back to up until November, well, not even November, going back to October 29th, did, did God go into every decision I made? Um, hell, did he go into any decision I made? The answer is probably no. But um, I can tell you right now that I still don't think it, I'm not, I'm not ready to say that God's in every decision that I'm making right now, but Leah is. Everything I do nowadays, I ask myself, would my little girl be proud of me? Would my little girl be okay with that decision? And um, so with that, I can tell you that I have not made very many mistakes in the past three months. Um, I have, I've made some hard decisions, but I've made the right ones and I feel confident that I made the right ones. But where I'm going with this is I failed number four a couple weeks ago and I failed him bad. Um, he was actually listening to the last episode of the podcast and it, it said in there, and mentioned him a couple times and then I thought that maybe he needed to be talking to somebody or maybe he'd be ready to talk to somebody or, or, or whatever. And he wanted to come talk to us. And it was like 1130 at night and I had to get up in the morning and it had been a long day and he just knocked on the door and opened it, came in and sat down on the floor and started talking. And I didn't shut him down. I didn't, I didn't tell him I didn't want to talk, but I just didn't, I didn't engage him. I didn't, I didn't have the mental capacity that day to, to do it. And as a father to, to know that I just bailed on one of my kids when they were hurting, it's, um, it's not a good feeling. And, um, since then we've, we've tried to rectify it and we've, and we've talked and, and, and I apologized and, and explained my situation. And of course, four being four told us, you don't have to, you don't have to do that. I, I, I can't possibly know what you're going through and, and used words and thoughts well beyond his years. Um, but when you listen to this one, four, we love you and we're sorry. Um, and the door is open. It won't happen again, bud. Um, you open the door again, it won't. We won't not engage. Um, 
we've always told you the door is always open and I'm sorry that one of the times you tried to use it that we didn't do it. Um, so, so anyways, yeah, so this men's group's been, been good so far for me to be able to just kind of talk to people that are just good people, but don't, but don't, don't know me, me, me. They just know what I'm telling them. But I, I want to go back to that thing of talking about being humbled and, um, Nick and I call ourselves seasoned. Um, with all the shit that we've been through, we're pretty well seasoned. We're um, we're cast iron, hammered, hammered and oiled and seasoned, forged in fire. And um, it's really hard in these groups sometimes when we're. It, it happened again tonight where. People were like, oh, it's it's so amazing to see a husband talk or it's so amazing to see you you guys on screen just cuddled up together. And you guys are an amazing team, she said. Here, um, it's, um, I, I don't want to be good at it. I, I don't want to be good at it. But, um. I guess if we're good at it, we need to figure out how to get this out there. Help me figure out how to get this out there. And, and it's not because I want to be good at it, but it's because Nick and I have been talking about this. When, when Leah passed, I was able to get footprints uh, and handprints of her made onto jewelry. And me and the boys and grandpa all have her footprints. And... And, uh, on some dog tags and then mine hang from my window of my truck and um they're with me here today i took them down this morning for the first time so i want to take them with me and um and nick and grandma and number one have her handprints on a necklace and her nick's therapist has mentioned it a few times that nick doesn't even know she's doing it when she's talking about lee and when she's really struggling she was doing it just a minute ago here when she's talking about Leanne, she's really struggling. She's she's just grasping this necklace, just holding it. And um, and for me, when I'm going down the road, when I'm going down a rough, this is not this is a literal and physical translation. When I'm going down a rough road too fast, and my dog tags get swinging in the window, I reach up and I grab them. And every time I do it, I I let off the gas a little bit in my brain and my foot, and I take a couple breaths. And I and I I don't get better, but I recenter. And um, we want to be able to figure out how to get handprints and footprints of other babies in parents' hands. Um, these were expensive. The the I'm not going to get into dollars, but they were expensive. It's not just it's not I can take and write a ten grand check and I'm going to cover the next ten thousand people. It's not that's not the case. Um, but I, I want, we want to try to, I don't know, we'll figure it out, but we're going to try to, I don't know, either set up a charity and then try to figure out how to source these, um, these handprints and footprints. And we want to be able to work with this, this sport group that's called Rachel's Gift. We want to be able to work with them and help them to the people that join this, to be able to get them handprints and 
in footprints because there's a lot of people in this group that we, we know are not as fortunate as us financially. Um, so we want to try to to get these handprints and footprints. So if we if, so if we got to be good at this, which I hate being, I don't want to be good at it. I don't want to be better. I don't want to be okay. We talked about that today. Okay, I hate the fucking word okay. I'm not okay. I'm a mess. I don't want to be okay. But if I got to be okay at this, then let let's let's figure out how to use it. Um. So if anybody's got any ideas how to get it out there and, and figure out how to do this to help other people, then let's let's do that. Um, Nick's, Nick's, Nick's got her handprints right now. Um, so yeah, the, um, I don't even know if I want to talk about this. This morning was hard. Um, we had a really early flight and, um, we had a little trouble getting packed last night, took longer than it should have. And it was disorganized and we did 10 days of work in three days trying to be able to get out of town and we're rushing. And when we went to bed last night, we were both so tired that evidently we left the light off in the bathroom. And um, I'm not okay with knowing that we have, I don't, there's not a right, progressed, I don't, fuck, I don't know. I'm not okay with being okay with leaving the light off. Um, My alarm went off this morning and I stood up, I got out of my bed, I took five steps into the bathroom. And I just froze. I stood there in the dark. And I, 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 I don't think I could even figure out why I was standing in the dark. I was just standing there. And then it, and then it hit me that, that you left the light off last night. And I'm not okay with being okay. And uh, we ended up getting out the door and um, we took Leah's candle with us and her handprints and her footprints, her candles burning right here in front of us. Um, but we left her ashes at home. And uh, we, went, we, we, we went to Florida to get her ashes, to, to get grandpa's ashes to keep their urns next to each other. And then we went home. And we were home for a week and then we went back to Florida again before Thanksgiving and we took them, we took both urns back with us. And then we came home and we put them on a shelf and they've been on a shelf. And this morning we left and we left the urn there. And I mean, and we know that's not Leah. It's not. Leah's in our hearts. We know that. But I don't, we talked, we talked about this a while back, Nick and I, that we didn't, we didn't know how we'd ever even leave the house with, without her ashes. The, the whole, until like Christmas, they were in my truck with us every time we left the house. Um, 
I didn't know how we'd be okay with not leaving leaving the house without her ashes. And um and I'm not okay with no bathroom light on. And I'm not okay with that we are not sleeping in a twin size bed anymore where we progress to a full. I'm not okay with that. I'm not okay that on Saturday we went over to the new friends from the church's place just to pick up a book and ended up being there four hours and just talked and talked about everything. I'm not, I'm not okay that we can do that. After the, the last podcast, Leah's godmother sent me a message and said that, that, that this was just something that it was the best one yet. And I, and I, and I asked her what she meant by that, because we're not aiming for good. I don't want this to be good. There's not a, we don't have a goal in mind when we do these. There's not a, I don't want to be good. But she said it was because there's just no theater. There's no bullshit. It's just us. But she could see our, she could like see my mannerisms and see the looks on my face and the looks on Nick's face and see, see us, our hand movements talking when we were exclaiming about something. And I'm not okay with that. I, I love you, and I don't mean that to be. I'm not. I'm not mad at you. I'm not mad at you. Let me preface that. I'm not mad at you. Um, but I don't want somebody to hear me talk and and see the old me. The old me. The old me died on November fifth, and the new me was born November fifth. Whatever this version of me is, it was. He died and he was reborn on the same day, and. I'm like a shadow of myself and I don't, I don't want anyone to, I don't want anybody to think that because we're okay to get on a plane or because you can hear my voice or because you can see my hand movements or because we can sleep with the light off. I don't, I don't, we, I don't want you to think it's okay to just, well, let's start talking about anything else because we're not okay. We're a fucking mess. We're, um, we're never going to be the old people again. We're going to be a, a shadow, a inverted mirrored version. I, I, don't, I don't know, but so yeah, we're not the, we're not the same people anymore. So I mean, we're this mirrored shadow inverted version um i did stop the tape here just a second ago but we didn't edit anything we just we were both falling apart and needed a minute but but anyways um kind of want to talk about a trigger but i i don't want to i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings so please listen to this carefully but it's what you're talking about about not being the same people so we don't let dogs in the kitchen. Um, we don't let dogs on the furniture. Um, we don't have dogs sleep in our bed. But since we got this little French bulldog, Marcel, I don't think either one of us ever believed in this um, emotional support animal, quote unquote, bullshit. 
until we got Marcel. And um, we've both became like inseparable from him um, and Nick more than me, because when we're at work, it's just her and Marcel hanging out in a truck and snoozing and this little 19 pound bulldog just tucked up in her chin, snoring. And um, the other day on, uh, actually it was on number two's birthday. Number number two's birthday was last week, and um, dad and number two may have imbibed a little too much, um, but we'll leave that at that. We're both consenting adults. So <laughs> um, just say that uh, peanut butter whiskey and uh, um, chocolate stouts go really well together when you go Boilermaker style. But anyways, leave that alone. But um, Nick was sitting at the table. Um, and we were having a Zoom call with Grandpa and Grandma for um, for number two's birthday. We got him on to let him open his cards and, and blow out his candles and, and stuff. And then we were just talking. And please, please don't take offense to this. I, 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 God. But I have to say it. I have to protect my wife and I have to say it. We we've gave my mother-in-law shit about her dogs being in the kitchen or eating off of forks or, or being general barking nuisances at the door or whatever. We've gave her mom shit for years over her little dogs. And Nick was sitting at the table holding Marcel talking on a zoom call with her. And I, and I heard you say, I, I can't believe you of all people are sitting at the table with a dog. Nick immediately went into a panic attack immediately and had to go outside. And that's why she wasn't on the call for the next 10 or 15 minutes. And I, and I, I really, I promise you, I'm not trying to hurt your feelings, but I, but I need you to know that that's just how fragile we are right now. And I know you're going through your own shit. Um, I'm not throwing your stuff out there, so I ain't gonna say it, but other people know and, and what you guys are going through, you got your own horrible mess of stuff going. Um, that little dog is the only thing that keeps her getting out of bed right now. And uh, we almost didn't get on the plane this morning because we left him home. Um, he's coming next week. You're gonna have to pay to bring him because we're not leaving him with randoms like today he's with he's with the girls now so it's okay but next week he's coming with us but um that little dog's the only the only happy innocent thing we have in our lives and um yeah so please i, I promise i'm really i'm not trying to be and ask, so please don't take it that way. Well, she's right. Who would have thought me, of all people, would have had a dog sitting at the table? I wouldn't. But I couldn't have imagined this version of me either. And I need that little dog, which is absurd, but it's real. I need him. And sometimes I can feel the overwhelm building to the point of panic. And I can 
Hold him and it's calming. He snuggles in. He knows. So what we we're trying to say is we're not the we're not the same people. Um, we're fundamentally and foundationally changed. Everything, including my ability to have a dog at the table, up to and including the grace that I'm able to give other people who might be shitty or whatever, that maybe they're living the worst day of their life too. It's changed the perspective on literally everything. Insignificant things all the way up to the most major things. Foundationally changed. So it's um it's been a long well, it's been long. But it's been a particularly long day and um I think we're gonna cut it off for now. And um the first uh <laughs> the first VCR tape I ever owned was the Shawshank Redemption and uh I shouldn't say I owned it because I borrowed it from uh well, let's just call you Captain Pith Helmet. I borrowed it from you, whether you knew it or not. And I still have it in a box. And there's a there's a pretty good line in there that says that you either need to get busy living or you need to get busy dying. And like we talked about earlier, I don't know that I want to get busy living, or I don't know that I want to go living, but I know I don't want to go dying right now. So with that... Um, we hope for hope. We we hope for hope, and uh, and we love you all. And um, please, no hard feelings. And um, if you don't know us, but this rings with you in any way, share it. Thanks. <laughs>